Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Borg Warner. Feel good about driving. Bridgestone. Your journey. Our passion. Dow Automotive Systems. Improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. And by Hyundai. New thinking, new possibilities. Hello and welcome to AutoLine Daily. I'm Sean McElroy filling in for John today. We'll preview this week's AutoLine in the second half of the show, but first we have more reveals from the New York Auto Show. Honda unveiled an all-new compact SUV called the HRV, which is built on the same platform as the Fit. And like that car, the HRV will feature what Honda calls Magic Seat, which allows you to arrange seats in multiple configurations. Honda didn't reveal any other details, but says it will share more closer to when the HRV launches in the winter. Subaru also took the wraps off the all-new version of its Outback. This is the fifth generation of the car, and while it's a little bigger than the previous model, it gets better fuel economy. It comes standard with a 2.5-liter four-cylinder engine, but a six-cylinder is available in the top-of-the-line limited model. Both engines are mated to a CVT, and the four-cylinder is estimated to get 25 mpg in the city, 33 on the highway, and 28 combined. The six-cylinder is estimated at 20 city, 27 highway, and 22 combined. Subaru also improved the ride and noise levels by retuning the front and rear suspension and adding things like an acoustic windshield, liquid-filled engine mounts, and thicker panels in key locations. Inside the car, customers will notice more passenger space and a suite of new and improved technologies. The 2015 Outback will hit Subaru showrooms this summer. Sales of Nissan's quirky-looking Murano convertible, called the Cross Cabriolet, hit its peak in 2012 at just over 3,000 units. But last year that number dropped by more than double. And with the next generation Murano being showed in New York, Autoblog has caught word that the automaker will not be bringing the drop-top version back. But it should not be that much of a surprise. With sales as low as they were, it was going to be a hard sell to bring the vehicle back. Steel manufacturers have been arguing that more pollutants are released making and recycling aluminum than doing the same with steel. But according to a report published by the SAE, aluminum-intensive vehicles will use less energy and emit less over a lifetime when compared to current vehicles made of high-strength steel and aluminum. It was a cradle-to-cradle study, meaning that it took everything into account from the material production all the way to end-of-vehicle life recycling, which we think is a more accurate way of looking at it. The study showed that due to its lightweight having a trickle-down effect on other components' size, like engine and brakes, aluminum is the better choice over a vehicle's life cycle. And with more automakers interested in using aluminum bodies, this could have a large impact on the steel industry. So how do you prevent electric cars from going up in flames after an accident? To help fireproof its battery packs, Tesla sprays a goo onto the interior of the battery pack. It's actually a substance that swells when exposed to heat, forming a fireproof barrier to protect the inside of the pack, and it also helps cool the heat source. In testing, Tesla saw cells experiencing a runaway reaction would actually cool and in some cases not even ignite. Coming up next, a look at why the auto industry needs to get young people interested in manufacturing. Proven on the track. 
and on roads around the world. Borg Warner turbochargers improve fuel economy and reduce emissions without sacrificing performance. Borg Warner, official turbocharger supplier to the IZOD IndyCar Series. On AutoLine this week, our weekly TV show, the topic is all about getting young people interested in manufacturing in the auto industry. In the following clip, our guests explain why it's so difficult to get youth involved in this area. You know, it's, it's, it's an interest in getting students involved at a very early age. I think that broadly in education, we're not looking at science and technology, engineering and math at an early age. We're not looking at, at these types of experiences with students at the kindergarten and first grade level. Um, you know, research tells us we have to. Uh, we have to have these kids, before they come into things like FIRST Robotics, we have to have that interest built. We have to have that STEM awareness there for the for and the Explain children. STEM for anybody who's so not heard that. STEM is an acronym that stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. So we want to engage students at a very, very early age before we lose them. The research shows that we're losing students at, as early as the third or fourth grade level. So whenever they're coming into opt-in type programs to where they need to identify that as an interest up front, um, we need to stay ahead of that with, with, within the educational system. Carl, why do you see students not interested in these topics? I think it's part of our larger culture. Um, our culture basically helps define where our kids' interests ultimately lie and what captures their attention. And manufacturing, I think, has a bit of a stigma to it. Um, I think over the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, uh, the idea of manufacturing and going into manufacturing has sort of been um, discouraged by parents, perhaps, or the fact that, you know, manufacturing's all overseas now. So I don't think it's been very, um, very inviting at, at this point. There's a perception of it anyway, at least until now, which, was, which is why we're going to try and change that. And I agree with what you'd say, but I'd say not the last 10 or 15 years. I'd make it more like the last 30 years. Okay. People have been discouraged from that. Sure. And, and Tim, you, you brought in some great props, and we're going to get into that in a minute to show what the FIRST Robotics is all about. But same question. Why well, are young people not interested? When I run into a lot of these students, they quite frankly think it's boring and it's hard. And so what you have to do is you have to take that stigma that they have about this, give them mentors that can help them along the way to show them it's really fun to make your own parts. It's really fun to create something you thought you couldn't do, and then it just builds on itself and they get their confidence going and then their enthusiasm comes along with that. And it's the whole thing of having them be able to create and do things on their own, much like a basketball player. You know, a lot of times kids just emulate these basketball players. They'll dribble a thousand times a day with their right hand to get it just right because they have a mentor. And FIRST Robotics is one of those mentor-based programs where we can teach you how to make stuff to do crazy things that are really great fun. Joining John for that show is Carl Klimek from the Square One Education Network, Chris Chuka from SAE International, and Tim Grew from General Motors and FIRST Robotics. And as always, you can watch that entire discussion right now on our website, autoline.tv. But that's a wrap for today's show. Thanks for watching, and have a great weekend. Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.